Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I sure miss being able to gather together and uh, see everybody and hang out and have coffee and chat, and uh, hopefully it'll be sooner than later when we'll be, we'll be able to do that again. But I'm always willing to do a Zoom chat or a phone call if uh, you want during the week. You can just get a hold of me or um, contact the office, and uh, we can set that up. It'd be great to hear for, from uh, some of you. Um, there are various... Uh, groups going on during the week if you want to connect. Uh, we have Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday groups going on. You can go to our website or the uh, online bulletin uh, to check those out. And if you're not a part of our email list, you can go to our website and there's a spot at the bottom where you can uh, get signed up for, for, for those. Um, good to have um, Michael here today. He's going to be sharing... Uh, word with us today and just a note on the offering as well because i keep forgetting <laughs> um you still can give uh you can text uh, seven the word junction church to 77977 or just go to our app or our website uh to continue to give uh, as always if you're tuning in from another church uh please just find out how to connect with your home church so you can give give there um but yeah we are super excited to have michael be able to share with us and michael is an intern here at the junction church and he's going to come and share god's word with us today well good morning everyone uh i hope that uh, wherever you are, that hope, love, and, and peace is what's finding you this morning. And uh, Jesse kind of read my mind a little bit this morning as he was mentioning the chat and the YouTube, and what I'd like to encourage people to do is to use that a little bit more. Uh, if you are here watching right now, just pop into the chat and uh, start to speak some words of life into people, who, anyone who's watching, and just uh, rather than me praying for you this morning, I'd like you to pray for each other. We have a unique opportunity doing live services like this in that you guys can talk without interrupting me, so take advantage of it. <laughs> uh, today's message is uh, kind of actually a series that we've been doing, uh, and it's going to be on the heart of fear. Uh, we've got three messages now in a row, uh, excluding Easter, that were based on fear. And my focus was uh, really getting down to what is the very deepest, deepest part of fear that keeps it going, which uh, brings me into what is a heart? Why did I call it a heart? Uh, what you see of me here this morning, you actually only see a small part of me. Skin may be my biggest organ, but it is still only one of my organs. And there's a lot going inside that you cannot see with your eyes. The heart beats at the center. It provides life for all of this going around it. And when we talk about the heart of something, that's what we're talking about. So why do we know, need to know fear's heart? What do we need to know about that? There's a famous quote from Franklin D. Roosevelt, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Well, when I was thinking about that, if there's any glint of truth to it, it becomes absolutely imperative that we figure out what fear itself is. So that was where I ended up delving for the last month. So what I came to find is, is that often when people are defining fear and looking at fear, they are seeing the outer parts like what we see when we look at someone 
rather than seeing the heart. So today I'm gonna to talk about two arms and two legs, the things that we commonly see when we think about fear. The first arm is that fear is demonic. And it is a part, like our arm is a part of us, that demons use fear, and sometimes they love to breed fear. But just because it is a tool of something, that does not, that does not define it. We need to be very careful by, about uh, defining by perception. If I have two glasses in front of me, one is filled with water and one's filled with hydrochloric acid, and I take a drink out of that hydrochloric acid and refuse to touch anything that's clear and sloshy again, I'm gonna die of thirst. The second arm that we wanna look at is fear is lies, which is ironically false. Uh, I don't know if you can see the picture too well, but that is actually somebody's arm that has a tattoo that says everybody lies. There was a, an acronym that came, uh, somebody had got this from a Bible study and had posted it to me, uh, that fear is false evidence appearing real. Now, we can often get some truth out of seeing fear as lies because there's often a basis of lies in fear. But to define fear as lies is a false way of looking at things. When I searched those two words together in my Bible app, this was the only verse that came up with the two words together. So I don't think there's too much biblical <laughs> uh, uh, soundness to saying that fear is lies. The verse only says, you can go to bed without fear and lie down and sleep soundly. Now the best example I could think of as to why we commonly fall into this trap of seeing the second arm is experience from earlier in my life where I had relationships that were based on lies because I was pretending to be someone that I wasn't. Now, when I broke out of those relationships, I did feel for quite a while that relationships were lies. But you learn as you go that that wasn't the truth. That relationship was based on a lie, but relationships themselves are not lies. So again, we need to be careful on how we define things before we come to the wrong conclusion. The third appendage we're gonna to come to, the first leg, is, is that fear is just a weakness. And we even have a word in the English language, coward, that defines this very concept. Now, saying that fear is a weakness kind of seems like something that you know, like you get on board with right away. It's like, yeah, you know, fear makes you weak. But at the same time, when I think back through my life of all the fear that I overcame, that was my greatest source of strength and growing. So the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship God. This is Proverbs 9.10, the, the Passion Translation. Now awe is defined as reverence mixed with fear or wonder. So one of the things that kept me digging deeper and digging deeper every time I was looking into what is fear is how many times the Bible says that we should fear God. All of these things that we often commonly think of as fear have nothing to do with that concept of how we fear God. And our last appendage that we come to that 
second leg is that it is a lack of faith. And this was my first landing point uh, when I first started looking into this, was thinking that if we trust God, that there should be no reason for fear. And it's a common thing, I think, throughout the church to, to kind of have this belief. I even came up with my own cutesy little acronym, uh, forgetting everything already received. Because it does seem like when you have eternal life, there's not really any re reason to fear for anything here on earth. But again, it doesn't account for that one thing that the Bible always tells us, that we should fear God. What I began to realize is the faith versus fear paradigm is very interesting because we often define fear by that, but it's more definitive of the power of faith than it is the qualities of fear. So we have this idea of healthy fear. We shouldn't want to be jumping off of tall buildings, putting our hands in fire, or grieving the Spirit of God. Healthy fear is a form of wisdom, and it comes from God. Isaiah 33.6 says this, In that day he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. That's a very powerful statement, that the fear of the Lord will be your treasure. And it's not something that we often try and come to when we're thinking about God. But what I began to realize is that there are some very important qualities about fear. And fearing God is important. There is also the unhealthy side of fear. Harmless insects or animals, being afraid of confined or open spaces, or being afraid to lose the love of God are things that we should not be afraid of. Number one, those things usually won't harm us, and losing the love of God is impossible. One of our favorite verses here at the church, we have it on our wall, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So what that tells us is that God doesn't want us to be rooted in fear. We should have fear for God, but that's not where our eyes need to be focused on. So what is fear's heart? Where did I end up landing? It's a very simple concept, and, and I'm sure we've heard it before. Fear's heart is simply avoiding pain or avoiding hurt, and it comes through in the fight or flight response. And we've heard this time and time again. I'm taking a course online where the teacher said something that really stuck out to me in this. The secular world often waters down the Bible for their wisdom. And I think I started to pull some of that out, but we're going to add some of the power of God back into it. True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Proverbs 22.4. Now, there may be some of you watching today, and you find yourself in a fear-fight response with God, and this is quite a common thing. 
Anger at a loss can bring this up, feeling like we're being punished by God. We can blame God for the pain and hurt that we are experiencing. God doesn't mind, but he wants us to go deeper. That shouldn't be our dwelling place. And there might be someone here who's fleeing from God. You avoid thinking of who you are. You won't acknowledge purpose. Again, God doesn't mind, but sooner or later you're going to tire, and you might find yourself on your knees like I did one day, asking, what's going on? What am I missing? But how do we go deeper? I was not even actually going in this direction when the Holy Spirit kind of just popped this question into my head as I was practicing the sermon, and it kind of took a little bit of a different direction. So they often say, identify or face your fear, and this is, that would be the, the watered-down version that the secular world uses. The problem is, is when you ask yourself questions like this, it's easy to dance around and miss the truth. But what happens when we start asking God these questions? He always tells us the truth. And maybe we can just get right down into that heart of fear. So when we want to face a fear, ask God, God, what hurt is causing this anger, fight response, or denial, flight response, reaction? And a second question to go a little deeper and examine the fear would be, God, is this hurt in me? Or is it a hurt that I expect to come? You'll go in two very different directions when you start answering this question. But that's going to be a separate journey and different for everyone. The third question that's going to be the same for everyone is about overcoming fear. Finding the strength and the motivation to do that is ask God, what is my reaction doing to my situation? Because when we start to see how negatively our responses to fear can impact the world around us, we can start to get really motivated to dig down and find that heart of fear. So then the other important thing to know would be, when do we need to ask these? And I dug back into my own life to find this. And I'm telling you, today that if I had lived my life using these principles, 95% of my life would have been so much easier and just wholly transformed, it would have been amazing. So clues that you're in a fight response or getting to the anger is using extreme language, saying things like always and never. You always do that to me. You never do this for me. Not acknowledging views. If you won't even uh, acknowledge what the other person's saying, you won't try to see something from someone else's point of view, you're probably in a fight response. And if you're starting to physically do something faster, that's, that's a good clue. Now, these are good clues for finding it in yourselves, but it's also a good clue for finding it in other people. And if you find someone in a fight response, 
by using one of these clues and you try and calm them down and it's not working, then you just need to leave things alone and let them calm down on their own. Clues that you're in a flight response, uh, aside from the obvious running away in terror kind of thing. Uh, in my own life, I noticed excessive alone time. If you want to be alone way too much or you see someone wanting to be alone too much, this is often uh, a pain or hurt avoidance tactic. Part of that is escapism becomes a need. Uh, things like video games, binge watching TV, if that becomes like so important to someone or to you, then you need to be asking yourself, what am I trying to avoid? And then of course, self-medicating. It's always a clue when somebody starts using any kind of drugs or alcohol to not feel. So bringing this down for a landing, I don't want to be ending on a very negative point and don't hear what I'm not saying, that fear of God is super important and we need to be centered on that. Living in love is true life and freedom. Love overcomes fear. So while we fear God, it's in love's shadow, reverent awe. Uh, I guess my verse got cut off there, but, uh, and it, do everything in love. It's 1 Corinthians something. We need to always, always remember that love is the number one principle that makes everything go in God's kingdom. So while God needs to be feared, we fear him in love. And that's how we operate. So we're just going to pray uh, that this really resonates. Um, and I would encourage anybody who is saying I went through that a little bit too fast, rewatch this sermon at least once. Because if you are experiencing these things and those questions bring up things immediately, just seeing them quickly like that, there's a lot of stuff that it can do for you. And God is willing and wanting to give you the answers. So Lord, we just thank you that you are love. You are everything we need. And the only reason that we have to fear you is because we love you so much. We are just thankful and praise you for all that you are. And I ask that you do something absolutely amazing in people's lives as they think about what they have heard and let it permeate down into their souls. Pray in your precious name. Amen.